When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. What's going on? Uh, You know, we're back. We're here. We're doing it. Uh, I love these mornings spent with you. Well, actually, it's now afternoon, but not too far afternoon. Still close enough to feel like it's the morning. Mornings with with Joe. A new book. My memoir. Yes. (laughs) How's your week been? What you been up to? Coming to the true crime section, mornings with Joe. Um, <laughs> it's been good. It's just it's been a nice, uh, easy, easy weekend, um, which has been very, very delightful. Yeah, that is, it's nice to have those every now and again. Like I just yeah, don't want to do anything. The weather is um, nice and overcast and gloomy, mm-hmm. so it made perfect, uh, perfect watching weather for this film that we're going to discuss today. Oh, nice. Perfect. Yeah, I've been enjoying this. I actually, I had book club this morning um, before recording uh, today, and I actually went outside and sat because it was all dark and gray and kind of like, just felt like rainy, chilly. So I like sat outside and read all morning. It was very nice. Had tea, made a big old thing of tea. You're restoring, you're getting, your powers are returning. Right, October is coming. Mm-hmm. We're uh, yes, we're we're feeling all of our all of our spooky kook vibes are just are raising. You know, they're they're increasing. I do love this time of year. It makes me so happy starting to see like all the lists coming out of you know all the horror films that are are available to watch or stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, starting to see all the decorations. You know, everybody you know starts moving into that that realm you know, excited about, you know, spooky season coming. So it's just fun because it's like, you know, for the other 11 months of the year, my life is constantly like that. So it's nice when it like it converges and everybody's feeling spooky. Yes. The outside is, uh, reflects how you feel on the inside. Yes. (laughs) And it's also kind of fun because there's always movies that it's like, I don't, um, I don't want to watch except during like October, except during Halloween season. So it's kind of fun. It's like, Oh, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch that. And you know, I know those they're coming. Those days are coming that I'm going to sit and, you know, get to, get to see, get to see, uh, you know, I usually only watch like the original Halloween during Halloween trick or treat. I try to save. Um, there's also like witchy movies that, you know, like the craft and like practical magic, stuff like that, that I like to watch during this time. Uh, that I try to save. So it's kind of been fun doing that. Nice. <laughs> Starting to start to get there. Very exciting. <laughs> I just wish we were able to like travel and do more things, you know, I mean, they're coming back cons and all. So uh, hopefully, hopefully in this next year, I mean, obviously we're going to be at Renegade film festival uh, in March. But uh, I'm looking forward to actually doing more of like the horror cons. So yes, yes. Hopefully everyone gets their act together and gets vaccinated, and we get those numbers down. Yeah, yeah. And things will continue to normalize. Yay! Uh, oh my gosh, Joe, did you see my Freddy Krueger glove? I posted it on our Instagram. Oh, you mean this is God? Yes. Yes. Oh, it makes me so happy. Uh, I'm wait. I need to actually maybe send an email because I was supposed to get a photo 
of uh, Robert with it, but it hasn't come yet. But I also know he was at a, he's been at a couple conventions this past like week or two. So maybe it just, you know, but hopefully that will come and then I will share that as well. You can see I'm actually with the glove with my glove. Nice. Um, yeah. Follow us on Instagram folks. Cause we post stuff there. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram and follow right. us at um, at the West Craven Memorial Library. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for like books and stuff, all my book recommendations, which brings me to you know fun, uh, uh, which on tw- on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. You all know it's all at Fright School. We got very lucky that somebody else hadn't uh, taken that, so we kind of own that everywhere, which is nice. Uh, but if you follow us on Twitter. I love, you know me, I love a watch party. I love a Twitter watch party, a hashtag. And so I spent Saturday. So Saturday was the debut of Elvira's, uh, hold on. (laughs) It had such a title that I did not memorize. What was it? It was Elvira's. Shudder presents Elvira's 40th anniversary, very scary, very special, special, especially for you. (laughs) <laughs> and they <laughs> they showed uh, four films, starting with Elvira's actual Elvira, Mistress of the Dark from nineteen ninety or nineteen eighty eight. Uh, they also showed the House on Haunted Hill, which we're going to discuss today. Uh, what was the next one? City of the Dead and mm-hmm. Messiah of Evil, and it was super fun. You know, Elvira doing her shtick you know popping up in between you know or during the movie to you know make snarky comments all new all new film uh i wasn't sure because i thought like i know she's done house on haunted hill i actually have a dvd version of her doing house on haunted hill already and i thought well maybe they would like reuse that but it wasn't it was all new so that was exciting i've also never seen her uh do commentary on her own film so that was a lot of fun uh so yeah, so I basically like live tweeted for six hours yesterday, <laughs> just hanging out, laying in bed, eating pizza and popcorn and Doritos and Starbursts and uh, drinking wine and uh, talking to the internet. And it was actually really, really fun. Uh, Elvira's account retweeted us a few times, which was cool. Just goofy shit I was posting, uh, you know, gained some more followers, met some other people. There's some cool stuff going on down over on Twitter. So... <laughs> Down the Twitter, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I think, uh, yeah, we should be seeing a lot more watch parties popping up uh, for Halloween. So I'm going to try to jump in and, you know, like I said, follow us on Twitter. You can see which ones we'll be participating in. And uh, I'll probably post stuff on Instagram and Facebook and all of those things, you know. Uh, but it was very fun. And also, obviously, big, you know, the other big news uh, this week was Elvira's uh, or last week. Elvira's uh, autobiography is finally here. Yay! Uh, I feel like it was like almost 10 years ago the first time I at least asked her about it at like a meet and greet. And she was like, oh yeah, I'm working on it. Now here we are all these years later. It's finally here and we finally have it. Uh, I'm about halfway through it. I've been listening to it on um, the audio book because she narrates it. Uh, Cassandra Peterson narrates it. So that w- that's been been fun and then sometimes i sit and i'll read along while she talks i kind of like that you know it's like the book's being read to me but i'm also reading it and you know i'm gauging both ways (laughs) just like cassandra apparently that's what we all learned that was the big revelation this week uh from the book oh that she's uh she's uh lebanese well that she's at least she's part of the queer family you know, yes. yeah, she, uh, the book details, obviously a lot of her, uh, personal intimate relationships with the various men in her life to, uh, varying degrees. Uh, some of the, some of it's hard. Like, I mean, she's lived quite a, a very interesting life, but also a life is, you know, a beautiful woman in Hollywood. And it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of shittiness in, in it. And she's kind of, I wouldn't characterize it as like a tell all book, uh, but it is sort of like, cause a lot of these stories are out in, in, in the, in the world, you know, talking about like, you know, how she like met Elvis and like Tom Jones took her virginity, you know, there are these like rumors and things out there that, you know, have kind of permeated in pop culture for a few, you know, for the last, you know, couple decades that she's kind of clarifying like, okay, this is what people think the story is, but this is kind of what actually happened. There's a lot of that where it's, uh, you know, telling kind of these 
stories, uh, just cleaning up the rumors, you know, to some extent. But there's also a lot of stuff that we didn't know, a lot of details that, you know, she's just never had really the opportunity to, re- to reveal. Uh, but anyways, the big thing, obviously, that got all the headlines this week is that she's been in an almost 20-year relationship with a woman that surprised a lot of people, uh, obviously fans, because it's been kept... Uh, kept hidden and I haven't gotten to that part in the book but I've read like the blurbs and obviously she's been doing interviews and such and I just I don't know it's it's kind of strange because of course like you know we're all happy for her like girl whatever you know like be happy that's what we want Uh, and it's kind of surreal to you know because for so many like queer people i've talked about this on the on the podcast before i've talked about it other places you know we've heard lots of the horror queers talk about how important like the elvira character was in you know finding um you know courage for ourselves or kind of embracing like ourselves wholeheartedly in certain ways so to kind of find out like that she's been keeping this you know secret because of like fear of like fan reaction or like damaging the brand or you know just not sure if she's like safe it's kind of heartbreaking i think a little bit uh but Mm -hmm. i'm very glad that we've at least from my purview, I'm part of a few Elvira fan groups on Facebook. And for the most part, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Like I really was worried a little bit about like the male backlash and there it's there. Of course there's stuff there, mostly dismissive uh, comments or (laughs) ironically how they go, well, it doesn't really matter. And it's like, well, but it does matter. It matters a lot, but there's a lot of guys like I've seen posts like, you know, I just don't want to talk about this. Why do we care about like people's relationships? And it's like, well, it matters because Cassandra is a human. Like Elvira is a drag character, you know, but that's been small. Most of it has been overwhelmingly positive. So I hope that she feels the support. I hope that she realizes that, you know, she is uh, adored and respected and, uh, you know, I think it's awesome. Welcome to the family, girl. Ha, we got Elvira. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this year's um, this year's uh, the celebrities that came out uh, list is going to be uh, really great. It's going to be like uh, it's going to be Queen Latifah. It's mm. going to be uh, Elvira. Like people, <laughs> people that like the actual the queers in the room, you know, already been knew about, <laughs> but it's a big deal that they are, you know, it's public and, and, you know, again, public visibility, insert comment about visibility, insert comment about reputation, uh, re- representation and all that. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely don't like, I'm not on like the bandwagon of like everybody who's like queer should be out and be public. Like there's a lot of reasons. There's many, many reasons that people choose, you know, to, um, to, to navigate those waters, you know, in their own boats, <laughs> uh, and at their own pace. Uh, but it is, I mean, it, it is great when people do choose to come out and, you know, choose to, uh, to talk about it, especially something like what Cassandra's talking about of like the complexities of sexuality and the fluidity of it. Cause she's like, you know, I spent my life married to men. I've always enjoyed men. I mean, she's very, you know, when she talks in the book, she's very, uh, it's clear that she, you know, was attracted to these men. It's not like she spent, you know, 70 years or whatever, you know, how, you know, her life, you know, however long as a sexual being, 50 years of her life or whatever, say, uh, you know, hiding being a lesbian or something. That's not, that's not the story, you know? So it's just really interesting uh, reading that sort of transformation and that conversation about, you know, just getting into a place in her life where she wasn't really looking for a relationship and one showed up and uh, has been really great for her and really healthy and healing for her. And that's, uh, that I think is awesome. Like who doesn't want that? Like for somebody that they, as fans, you know, we want, you know, we want to respect that she's happy uh, yeah. because she's brought so much to so many people. Uh, I was going to say something else and it just left my brain. Don't you hate that? <laughs> and if you also think about like you know you think about in the last few years and especially specifically in the last five years where she has you know she stopped her show you know she ended yeah. her show at Knott's Berry Farm um, quote unquote family right quote unquote a family establishment and so and therefore probably 
there was some, you know, trepidation about doing uh, maybe coming out before that while she still had the show, um, but ended it. She's transitioned to being like people know her name. Like yeah. people who are even casual fans know that it's not just Elvira, it's El- Cassandra Peterson. Um, and she is known, um, you know, she's known as the actress as well. So it, it, it's interesting how kind of like, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about like all of the steps that had to happen in order for her to feel comfortable to not only write the memoir, but also um, uh, share this huge part of her life. Uh, feel comfortable and safe enough to share it and you know because when you think about and that's the other thing too is that like at the end of the day celebrities are people yeah you know i mean you know we always we always joke about you know hashtag first world hashtag celebrity problems but (laughs) celebrities are people and they are and they're complex just as complex as we are and so to think about like the the decision to come out quote unquote and the kind of machinery that has to be in motion in order for it to be like you know this could have been something that she's been wanting to do for years but you know things had to fall into place and you know the culture had to get to a place where not only would she be accepted but like you know um welcomed and and yeah, you know, I don't really know because I mean, twenty years ago, two thousand, you know, we're talking that they met sometime in two thousand. Well, I, I think they had known each other maybe a little bit longer than their relationship, obviously, because she had been like a personal trainer or something. They had some other kind of relationship. I don't know. It's it's really it is it's hard to say because I feel like Elvira is such this queer icon that maybe it wouldn't have surprised people. It would have just been like, well, whatever, and kept rolling, you know. But who knows? You know, I mean, we will never know. This was the choice that she made. I think, you know, it had to be difficult, obviously, to be with somebody for 20 years and be like, so nobody can know who you are. (laughs) Like, if we go anywhere, oh, this is my assistant. This is my trainer. This is my, you know, that had to have been, you know, very difficult. And I think about that. That's where I like when I think about, you know, what it's been like for them. I'm just thinking about that part of it where, you know, living openly, it it can be very difficult. Um, Yeah. Uh, oh no, not living openly, living, uh, um, closed off, like hiding, you know, feeling like that, you know? Yeah. So whatever, I'm happy for them. I've, you know, I've met T quite a few times. I realize now, um, Teresa, the, the woman T she calls her in the book, uh, cause she's been at conventions and such like helping out and she's been at signings. So it was kind of funny to see that picture. I'm like, I know who that is. <laughs> But I just, you know, we, I never knew. That was like so far, far from my mind. I, again, that's probably just something I never really thought about because Elvira is such this entity, you know, like she says mm-hmm. in the, I think she talks about in the book, she's been talking about in interviews, like, because um, she is thinking about retiring. It is, it is getting to that point where, you know, she's not sure how much longer she at least herself wants to put on all the drag and do the whole thing. But that Elvira exists sort of like Santa Claus now. <laughs> that, that, that she wants Elvira to be like the Halloween Santa Claus and that, you know, there there will always be some kind of connection there. But uh, that is kind of what she's looking at right now is how, how is she going to how can she get out of doing all the drag anymore? <laughs> She's the queen of Halloween for a reason. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So anyways, it was a very, very fun to, uh, I'm really enjoying the book. It is great. It's kind of cool because it's like, I'm learning all of these things about her that I, that I didn't know. Um, the, the tweet party, Twitter party, whatever last night, watch party was super fun. The movies were goofy as some of them were, I mean, bizarre, but also really cool. Like city of the dead. I was really, I'd never seen that or Messiah of evil. Messiah of evil was kind of like a Jalo film. It was like an art, very strange. I'm still not sure exactly what it was about. It was weird. Uh, but city of the dead was kind of cool. Uh, so I, I definitely want to like sit and rewatch that sometime. Uh, kind of a cool black and white witch film, you know, good times. So yeah. Otherwise this week it's been, I think that's, it's kind of been it. Like I, uh, school class, you know, that's it. Blah, blah. I've been looking into super fun, looking into this, uh, masters, uh, thanatology, uh, degree. I mean, I'm considering picking up. I don't know if that's interesting to talk about, but, uh, <laughs> cause I may take some time off between, 
um, once I finish because of like, uh, I might need to work for a little while uh, to get into the therapy, the masters of therapy program I want to do the improv, you know, or whatever. So I was thinking about doing this like accelerated other thing, which is like thanatology is like the study of death and like, cause I would like to specialize in grief, grief counseling. I was going to ask you what, <laughs> I was going to ask you, are, you, are we supposed to just intuit what thanatology is? Oh, it's sorry. Study, <laughs> study of Thanos and the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yes, or, or? exactly. Uh, no, but it's sort of like it's prepared. It's like an, uh, yeah, like just kind of a extended conversation about death and bereavement and, and grief. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I'm very interested in. I don't know. It's been kind of a weird week. Just, you know, getting through stuff, getting through class. Uh but, uh, you know, I don't know. Have you watched anything fun this week? Anything, you know? Um. Oh, my God. I've been watching Fantasy Island oh. <laughs> on Fox. Um, okay, it's, so uh, not it's, like the old series, the new. It's a reboot of the old oh. series. So it has nothing to do with the Blumhouse Look at her movie. reboot. Um, but it's it's a reboot, and it's so... I, I've never seen the original, uh, but the... The idea is that the it's a woman who runs Fantasy Island, and she is the niece of Ricardo Montalban's character from oh. the original series. Okay, and it's just it's really it's it's just mindless, you know, magical realism because um, it's always like you know what is your fantasy? What is that? What can the island do for you in like a very you know ambiguous Spanish nation accent? Um, it's really it's and overall it's really fun. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah. So I, I watched a little bit of Fantasy Island. Um, I am actually fully caught up on American Horror Story. Nice. Um, because I just couldn't not finish it. It was so I I made the mistake of watching one episode without uh without the group, and then I just got hooked, and so I needed to know how it ended. Yeah, I'm kind of, we're sitting on it, so I haven't watched the sixth episode of the first half, so I'm, I'm very excited mm-hmm. for this Wednesday. Okay. Um, you, do you want to go to the Alanis Morissette concert? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, coming up this week. That's my big, that's my big plans for this week is, uh, yeah, was, you, you have like, you have big plans going on. So because you weren't at the St. Vincent concert. Cause, uh, that was also this past week of the Hollywood bowl. Yeah. I've just, I've got a lot of trips coming to LA, uh, coming up. So I just, yeah, I was hoping she would come down cause she came to San Diego last tour. So I'm hoping she'll do another leg and like, pop down here and do something. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of hedging my bet that that'll happen. We'll see. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked her last record, so I do hope to see her, but I'm definitely not missing Alanis and garbage. That's going to be fun. I've never seen cat power before she's opening. So that'll be, should be a good time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, we have um, uh, Jimmy Kins is actually uh, he's actually visiting um, his old roommates that live in L.A. Um, oh. this past this past weekend, um, and uh, it's been um, I miss him. Um, when he listens to this, he'll he'll hear that I miss him. Um, not that I not that I haven't told him. Um, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> But then we're going to, um, we're actually attending a wedding uh, in a week as well. So, and it's a fully vaccinated, it's a fully vaccinated wedding, which is great. Um, Fun. Local, San Diego. So, you know, it, it will be starting off, uh, we're starting off spooky season with uh, matrimony. Awesome. Well, that sounds delightful. Mm-hmm. You can. I, I will send uh, my best wishes on the pre-divorce ceremony. No, <laughs> I'm teasing. That sounds like a good time, and you guys get to travel together. Where is the wedding at? Um, it's here in San Diego. Oh, I, oh, oh, oh! I thought you said you were traveling somewhere. No, we're well. We are staying at the. Um, it's a hotel that I've never heard of. It's called the Inn at Sunset Cliffs. Oh. And, um, it is, it's supposed to have like a view of the cliffs. It's beautiful. The wedding is there. Everything is there. It's going to be like sitting out 
on it's just like, <laughs> exactly from the from the people who brought you the fire festival yeah. who are eating cheese sandwiches <laughs> and uh the t- no it's um it, it's uh my friends who i know from trivia um they uh were supposed to get married last year but of course you know hilarity ensued and uh everything was able to be pushed uh, to this year and it's just, it's really great venue, but I'm also hosting a trivia game for them on the Friday before the wedding. Fun. So, so the whole weekend will be about this wedding, which is um, really, really fun and looking yeah. forward to it. Well, I like it. Well, nice. Well, we'll have to uh, figure out our recordings, but we can figure that out in, in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, off, off of, off the air, so to speak. Yes. Uh, alrighty. Well then, um, yeah, sounds fun. Sounds like it was, you know, chill week. I'm so ready for, uh, October to start. We're going to be, you know, in our busy, busiest time of the year, it feels mm-hmm. gearing up. So alrighty. Well, uh, we'll take a quick break and we will be back to discuss 1959's House on Haunted Hill. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and We horror. can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. All right, welcome back. So today we are, we're going back. We're going back in time. I know you love when we do these black and white movies, Joe. Gonna go back in time. (laughs) Uh, yes, House on Haunted Hill, 1959, William Castle, super fun uh, to uh, to do. I don't think we've done anything by William Castle yet, have we? Uh, no, I know he's a thing. <laughs> I know William Castle is a thing, but I and I but I don't know. He what produced else Rosemary's Baby. That? I think uh, Rosemary's Baby is probably the closest. He was a producer on it, and obviously Polanski directed it, but. Uh, yeah, uh, he is known for, you know, uh, some, some pretty fun films, uh, as director, writer, you know, things like that. Also the gimmicks, as we saw, you watched Feud. Uh, I watched Feud. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, like he directed, uh, Straight Jacket with, uh, Joan Crawford and it was very gimmicky, the whole, you know, thing like that was his like shtick. That was his thing. Uh, it was very camp. Camp. Yes. Very campy. So, uh, also super fun. This is stars Vincent Price. I don't think we've ever done a film with Vincent Price, which seems bonkers, uh, since he's such a big part of horror at this time. Uh, well, up until, you know, he was gone. Uh, did you catch the, you know, it's close to midnight line? Mm-mm. Oh, well, you know, Vincent Price does like the spoken word rap on Thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's like the first line of Thriller. It's close to midnight. I'm not going to try to well, say yeah. that shit. So well, is I just thought that was kind of cool that he said that in the movie, like in one of the scenes. He's like, it's close to midnight. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Anyways. Because like half the movie's half the movie's over when he is like, okay, we're going to lock you in soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, anyway, so the, um, yeah, so we got Vincent Price playing Frederick Lauren, who uh, is throwing a party for his wife. Annabelle, where he's invited uh, five people over to try to see if they can spend the night in this haunted house, and he's going to give them all ten grand, uh, which I think in today's money is close to a hundred thousand dollars. It's like ninety two or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the remake, I think it was a million, uh, but I can't remember. I, I only actually saw the remake they did once in the nineties with like Famke Jansen and. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, what's his name from SNL? Anyways, not the point. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this. We're talking about this film today, Joe. Try to stay on track. Anyways. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they're invited there. And, you know, hijinks ensue. So you checked it out on Shudder. I did. I checked it out on Shudder. Yeah. Was the black and white version or the colorized? Because I know they colorized it. 
black and white. I okay. did the I did the original Joshua, of yeah, course. Very nice, very nice. All right. Um, so tell me what uh, did you did what did you think about How Shall Haunted Hill? Uh, how shall how shall Haunted Hill? Um, I you know what this is going to sound very surprising, but I really loved it. Yeah. Um, it, it, the twists and turns were appropriate. It was a little you know. Let me check my phone at this part. <laughs> type <of> thing. <laughs> um. It's only seventy five minutes long. <laughs> I know. I was like, I was like, let me check my phone here. Um, but it was, it was like camp in the most delicious way. I wish we could have watched it together um, because it would. It, this is a movie where it's like we're talking at it. Um, I did see that like the House on Haunted Hill riff tracks <laughs> um, is available also. And I almost, I almost uh, listened to that one too, or I watched that one too, but it was like, you know what, I'm going to wait since I'm going to wait to have the Elvira take on it first uh, before I do anything else. But it was really great. Um, The, the twists at the end, I did not see coming. Um, And and I was very, I was like, I was pretty surprised. Uh, I was like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, and and yeah, so I I mean I think I need to like start uh, stratifying a little bit like my quote unquote favorite films of Fright School. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as far as like you know pre uh, maybe like pre nineteen eighty films or pre nineteen seventies films, uh, this is probably in the top three. Like it's like um, Night of the Living Dead, House on Haunted Hill. And then, you know, one other long-winded title, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there because, like, people ask, you know, obviously they hear, you know, when you say, like, oh, I've got a horror podcast or I, I like horror movies. What's your favorite one? And I kind of have to do that. I have to go, well, are we talking about the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s? Are we talking about American, international? <laughs> are we talking about, you yeah, know? Yeah, it has to, I have to, yeah, really kind of Queer horror, black horror. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it does. I feel like it shifts, too. Like, there are times where I'm like, oh, you know, there was a time in my life where it's like, oh, I couldn't live without, like, 1974, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'd have to have that on a desert island with The Exorcist. And, you know, but now it's like, I don't know, I kind of would want Halloween. Like, I used to not, like, love Halloween as much as I do now. I mean, I've always enjoyed it, but it, it's, like, it's changed mm-hmm. over the years now. Now I feel like, oh, no, I'd have to have Halloween with me. Um, but I'd also want, like, uh, Ganja and Hess. Because it's like, I want all, you know, I want all these different, you know, vibes. Anyways. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you want Ganja and Hess, uh, so that way you can have your, like, you know, spooky, what is it, diaphanous curtain, like. Yes, yes, and the lovely soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad that you enjoyed it because yeah, I I enjoyed it uh, too very much. I've I've seen it before. I actually watched it twice this week because I watched it with my old like the like I said I have a DVD that has an older uh, Elvira commentary. It's from like Elvira's Box of Horrors or something. Can't remember what it's called. It's got six movies in it, including the original Little Shop of Horrors, which I still haven't watched uh, with her commentary. I think that'd be fun. And then I watched it again for the. Uh, for the Shutter uh, anniversary, mm. um, yeah, I I really enjoy it. Again, you're right. The twist it's it's super twisty. <laughs> like you know, it just twists. Well, you know, twists. Spoiler alert for a movie from 1959. <laughs> spoiler yeah. alert. Uh, which, like, honestly, I again, like, I don't know much about the. I think this film is one of the films, like, I know it was remade, but I didn't even see the remake. And it's not something that would be in the culture, you know, in that I would even know much about it. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised when the twist happened and I'm like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree, Joe, (laughs) because it is kind of like, you know, surprised. Like, so obviously the film is like, that uh, like haunted like the house is haunted but is it really like that's obviously the first kind of twist is that like maybe it's not really because the ghost that we keep seeing in the beginning this poor woman what's her name nora like screaming uh-huh. at that like creepy lady who like needs to find she needs to find a salon stat get some conditioning going <laughs> for, for the first of all she, she you know it's, it's 
you know, she is a domestic, so there. That's probably just the hair for <laughs> domestics. I mean, just, I, yeah, I'm not sure what they're trying to say, but that poor woman. But but I also don't understand why she just keeps showing up. Like ah, she's she's like away. She's like a blind servant, right? Like there when so when we think she's a ghost and she's like in the room and she has like her arm, her hands up, like she's one of Lady Gaga's little monsters, right? And I'm like. Okay, like totally get it. She's a spooky. She's supposed to be a little spooky kook. And then they're like, "Oh no, those people are like the caretakers of this house, and the lady's <laughs> blind." I was like, "If you're a blind person, like, why are you like looking like I'm gonna get you? I'm gonna get you." <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very interesting. So that's obviously the first twist is when we find out who we thought were these ghosts are actually the caretakers, the housekeeper, the butler, whatever, you know, the, the caretakers, they've always been the caretakers, apparently. Um, you know, so they go off and lock them all in the house overnight. I also, yeah, when you're talking about like how campy this is, it's so quotable. There's so many good lines and it's so catty, like between, uh, Frederick and Annabelle. So, um, mm-hmm. Vincent Price and, uh, what's her name? Carol Omar playing like husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the line. I wish I think I shared on Facebook, like, don't stay up thinking of ways to get rid of me. It makes wrinkles. Like, Oh, this is just, as soon as they start talking to each other, you're just like, Oh, I love these two. Uh, darling, the only ghoul in the house is you. That I need. I need to mm-hmm. keep keep a hold of that one. <laughs> we need that needle pointed on <laughs> on something. Yeah, there's just um, so many good, like just nasty catty lines. <laughs> okay, can I, can I ask a question yeah. before we continue? So, who threw the party? Because like there seems to be a, like there seems to be a disagreement or there's like to me it's like maybe it's a continuity thing because like Annabelle is all like your party dear and then he's all like the party's for you like you wanted to have this party and it's like they don't seem for two people who who potentially are throwing this party they're not really <laughs> clear about as to who really wanted to have this party because she's like i'm not coming down i'm gonna stay up here in my robe and he's like it's your party dear why don't you <laughs> and i was like is this like is this a commentary on how like men don't throw parties like this and he needs to have the woman be like you know th- his beard so he can throw a party um huh I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting uh, question. I mean, I do get like, I think the whole thing is, so the house belongs to Watson Pritchard, uh, played by, is it Elisha? Elisha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's his house that Frederick is like, and he believes it's haunted. It seems Watson Pritchard definitely seems to believe the house is actually legitimately haunted, mm-hmm. uh, with its acid bath, hole in the basement um you know just in case i don't know what on earth you would need that for it was like why is there a vat of acid in like (laughs) just like hanging out there yeah like you know oh like don't like don't go in the basement it's where we keep the wine cellar and also a vat of acid yeah this whole house it's like an hh holmes like wet dream you know like hey wow this came with acid i don't even have to bring my own in But the house itself is also really strange looking because like the house itself looks like it it looks like, you know how you remember McDonald's from the 90s and they had those like glass cubes that were walls. Oh, yeah. That's what the exterior of the house kind of looked like for me. And and it was also it also kind of it gave me that coupled with like the the like mayan pyramid of like from dusk till dawn like it didn't look like a gothic spook you know what i mean like i'm expecting like the um the bates house you know what i mean like that's what i was expecting i did not expect the house on haunted hill to look like this very um like it was a fucking like weird minecraft <laughs> creation <laughs> it's like the uh, an embassy or something so the house itself is called the ennis house it's located uh in los feliz los feliz uh south of griffith little, 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 griffith park in los angeles mm-hmm. it was uh, designed by frank lloyd wright you know that name right Mm-hmm. Uh, for Charles and Mabel Ennis in tw- in 1923 and built in 1924. So yeah, I'm not exactly sure 
how they came about to record there. Uh, well, it was shot. I mean, they shot exteriors there and that the rest of the house or the rest of the film was shot on sound stages. Uh, depicting the interior of the house in a combination of styles. That's true. Like it's the house, the outside of the house is one thing. And then the inside, depending on where they are, it's like totally different. There's like gas, uh, chandeliers, sconces, Mm -hmm. uh, the house, like the, the, the painting for the poster is very like Romanesque kind of, uh, four story, Mm-hmm. Totally different house. It's not even the house in the movie. So I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how how it all what the decisions there. You know, because I mean, they would have had just any creepy old haunted house they could have popped down and filmed. You know, yeah. outside of uh, they would have had the you know choices. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. But anyways, but to your to your question, yeah, it feels like he's throwing a party for her. But then it's like these random people, like what you know, like there's the test pilot Lance Schroeder, newspaper columnist, columnist Ruth Bridges, psychiatrist Dr. David Trent, who specializes in hysteria. Clearly, you know, mm-hmm. every time, like every two seconds, she's hysterical. Give her a sedative. I'm like, yeah, okay. I was thinking it was hysteria, like like she's hysterical, like you know, like stick a vibrator in her pussy, you know, like that. Like the vibrator play by Sarah Rule, um, or in the next no, room. That's a thing. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, especially at this time when we're when we're talking about psychiatry at this time. But you know, they're all freaking out. He's just wanting to sedate everyone. Uh, and then Nora Manning, who works for uh, one of Frederick's companies, and then but they- it's like the most needy person apparently at this. <laughs> he was like, I found the person who needs this money the most. <laughs> Um, and I, and in my mind, I'm just like, okay, you didn't like think that maybe like a janitor, you know, someone on the housekeeping staff, like, no, he chose the most, uh, needy clerical professional. Um, (laughs) that'll be the name of this episode is needy clerical professional. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm not sure exactly like what, I mean, we obviously know because of the twist, we know the actual purpose of the party, but the idea is that they're all strangers. The only commonality being, you know, I'm pulling from the Wikipedia page here is their lust for money, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. I have an article that kind of, that talks mm-hmm. about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the premise for, because as his, so obviously Annabelle knows like she wants to have the party because she wants to, they're trying to whip Nora specifically, I guess either. I don't know if that's something that they knew going in that they plant like, Oh, that Nora woman that we saw there, like she seems a little shaky. Maybe we can scare the shit out of her and she'll shoot Frederick. He'll die. I'll inherit all of his money. And then you and I are going to run off. She and, um, uh, Oh gosh. David. Well, yeah. Right. The psychiatrist who keeps, insisting that like Nora is crazy and like, you know, seems to be like pushing this, you know, what's, what's happening. Uh, so obviously that's their reasoning for, you know, the reason that Annabelle wants to have the party, the, what they tell the guests obviously is like, come and stay. We'll pay you if you can make it through the night. Cause this place is super haunted. Meanwhile, they've rigged it, you know, with all these like creepy things. But then the mega twist that we find out is that Frederick knew the whole time. And so he sets it up so that they actually, Annabelle dies. And like he can be free from her trying to kill him and poison him and all the other, you know, hilarious things that they discuss in their private time. You know, so Mm -hmm. from the beginning, like he's like, it's your party because it is. It's a double meat. It's to kill it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. Well, it's your party because I know you're trying to kill me, but it's also your party because it's the party where you're going to die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it has that kind of double meaning once we double entendre or whatever. But when we get to the end, <laughs> what we're saying is it's her party and she can die if she wants to. <laughs> yes, because he wants her to, because she wants exactly. him to die. <laughs> it's yeah. <not> such a <laughs> but again i can't i can't help but like kind of 
because he wants to. <laughs> yeah, but when she <laughs> exactly, but when she's like, I don't want to go down. Like, well, I wouldn't either. Like, you you're throwing a party for me. You invited all these strange people. I don't know. You don't even know. None of them know each other. What are we doing here? It's so strange. You know. It's like, well, do we have any friends? <laughs> That is the question. Yeah, exactly. Like these two need to get it together. Cause I don't think they're, yeah, they're, they don't, they're made for each other clearly. So, <laughs> uh, I enjoy the, the skeleton puppet that he has. It's so bonkers. Like <laughs> it's all like hooked up and he's like walking around with it. But when he comes out and he like, he, when he comes out and he has like, he's like, he's in the rigging for the skeleton. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, in my, I'm like in bed watching this. And I was like, no, this can't be true. This can't, this cannot be happening, which it totally, like it totally informs scary movie two for me because there is like a skeleton, like a, a kind of hokey skeleton puppet in, in scary movie two, um, which is sort of based on like, um, house on Haunted hill, 13 ghosts, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah it has all those, uh, those sorts of elements. Uh, I think I read somewhere that that the skeleton they used was actually a real skeleton. Cause it was like Ooh. cheaper at that time to buy from like biology. I don't know. I'm trying to find the, the note that I saw. Uh, oh, I think it was in, go ahead. I did kind of look, I did kind of look at the skeleton to see. I'm like, okay, is this, is this a fabricated skeleton? Um, or is it real? And I thought it was fabricated, but again, like, you know, that's movie magic for you. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I saw it earlier. I saw like a note about, um, oh, trivia. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. Uh, yes, the skeleton that rises from the vat of acid is a real human skeleton. Like most movies, it was simply faster and cheaper to buy a real human skeleton from a biological supply house than having one created by the special effects department. Again, that's who knows if that I I have no way to prove the veracity of that. But mm -hmm. I mean, it, that I've definitely heard of other like I think Rocky Horror, the skeleton in that like the scene like in the time warp at the beginning, I think that's also a real skeleton. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. But anyways, it does sound, you know, if you were invited to a party where if you just got through the night in a, in a haunted house, would you stick around for 10 grand or well, maybe not 10 grand. We would want more now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred thousand at minimum. Yeah, you think you would do it? Uh, would I do it? Uh, I don't know. Depends on how hard up I was. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I've done a lot more dubious things for free. So, I mean, if ah, well, there we go. If that's the uh, if that's the 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 bar, then. Sure, let's mm -hmm. let's do it. I'm waiting for my invite. Hopefully, somebody will one day. I would love to do that. It's, uh, what's what's funny is that like there's there you watched Los Spookies right on HBO Max? No, I know I've only got through half of the season. I got to make it back around. We've talked about it a few times. Uh, it's piling up all the TV and books and things I want to read and watch. <laughs> there's an, there's an there's a, there's an um, an episode of Los Spookies where it's like a haunted house. Uh, whoever can stay the night uh, in a haunted house uh, one. And so it makes, I, I don't know. I think I'd like to say yes, but I also like to say probably not because <laughs> there's a reason why no one, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're putting it that up and it was that easy, you know, it would be uh, obviously there's got to be some twist to it. So, you know, potentially I would say yes, but I would have to be, you know, in cahoots with the spirits. Yeah. All right. Well, now we're giving away. So if, any, if we ever invite people to like a haunted house party, they're gonna be like, "No, we know what's happening here. Joe is setting us mm -hmm. up." And I wait. Say, so would you do it, or is Joe setting you up? But I'm setting Joe up. Maybe that's what's happening. 
And then yes, someone else, type of someone else comes up and says, "Bah, but I set you all up." Um, maybe Young David, which oh, I forgot. I wanted to send Young David a happy birthday. His birthday was just a few days ago, so we mm-hmm. want to you know, happy birthday, Young David. We, we miss him. Uh, but yeah, I would do it. I don't have like. I mean, I don't believe in ghosts. You know, as I've said before. So, like, yeah, let me stay the night in some haunted, you know, uh, asylum, uh, you know, some creepy clown motel. I don't care. I'll sleep in a graveyard overnight. I I think I could get, I think I'd be okay. Now, again, if somebody's like, what's that? I was going to say, would you sleep in a graveyard in a grave? (laughs) I mean, maybe, I I guess. If somebody's paying, I mean, you know what I mean? If it's like one of those things, and I wasn't doing, I I feel like I wouldn't want to disturb anybody, you know, like any bodies kind of thing. I wouldn't want to do anything that felt like it was, you know, disturbing graves. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if somebody was just like, you know, here's a lovely bench in the middle of the cemetery, you know, spend the night here. Like, yeah, fine. Sure. For a hundred thousand dollars. But again, I mean, if they're going to be like doing freaky shit to like try to freak you out, then, you know, maybe that'd be different. But again, I'm also open to ghosts being proved to be real. If you could prove to me, there's an afterlife, I might pay you money rather than the other way around. How about that? Okay, so everybody, you heard it here. Joshua's <laughs> his own money for concrete physical proof that ghosts are real. He is the he is the Houdini of the of of our time uh, to prove to prove that spiritualism and spirits are real. So, yeah. um, please write in to info at frightschool.com. This is like. In, Hey, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> We're suddenly in, um, uh, it's like Beetlejuice, you know, like they're talking about that, like the, the Enquirer or whatever it is, will pay $100,000 to prove there's like, anyways. Uh, so uh, Halloween, uh, this is from uh, dailydead.com. How House on Haunted Hill paved the way for the next 60 years of genre storytelling. Uh, and I, I, I enjoyed this. It said, uh, despite the fact that the film is now 60 years old, there's still a timeliness to House on Haunted Hill's story where people are driven by their need for money, so much so that they are willing to put themselves or others in harm's way so that they can score a big payday. In fact, characters being motivated by their own economic circumstances is a, th- is a theme that probably resonates more so in the present than ever before. Uh, which is why we've seen films like Would You Rather, Creep, Escape Room, 13 Cents, etc. being released throughout the last decade, clearly a response to how our own fiscal concerns can provide the fuel for our own nightmares. Which I thought was kind of interesting, because I don't think we've ever really discussed that sort of fear on the show, have we? Have we ever talked about like financial, fiscal... I mean, we've talked a little bit about how capitalism can inform things, but not as a not as a like a as a real like physical slash existential fear yeah yeah so i thought that was uh i thought that was actually a fascinating kind of thing i mean obviously on the it's very like surface i mean yeah there's plenty of of horror films that you know hey i'll give you money to stay in this place or uh you know we gotta kill somebody because we need their money. That's such, I mean, that is such like a true crime staple, you know, mm-hmm. obviously like why do people kill other people? You know, if it's not out of jealousy or greed, or if it's not for jealousy or some like romantic kind of thing, it's probably greed. There's probably a life insurance policy. There's probably money to inherit. There's probably, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, whatever uh, that it's such a, like a thing that permeates culture. That's like, I, I'd never really, I don't think I've really stopped to think about it as its own, like separate, anxiety you know from other reasons because you know like getting money is rarely like we want money for things to do something you know it's not like you kill somebody just so you can like you know get all their cash and then sit with it you know i mean you obviously you want to fund a life or you want to pay you know bills or you know you want to live you know it's it's a means to an end not not a means in and of itself uh, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm saying that. I guess that makes sense, unless some people just want to feel good having, you know, the numbers in their account <laughs> and not actually spend it. But, mm-hmm. anyways, not the point. Usually, it's tied to some other, you know, some other means. So I thought that was just sort of a, uh, you know, when we talk about 
like those those sorts of through lines in horror and you know looking at house on haunted hill as sort of its own okay if we're gonna we're gonna discuss it sort of what is it contributing to horror along with like some great scare moments obviously there's you know Vincent Price is delightful. There's the caddy lines. It's campy. You know, we enjoy all of that. I do really also like stepping out and thinking about, yeah, the reason they're all there is because they want money for whatever their various, their various uh, ends are. And that is reflected in horror. And that is a big, huge cultural anxiety. I mean, when we think about poverty and we think about all of the ways that like it costs so much to be poor and like how much like people suffer because they don't have access to wealth or they don't have accesses to resources and that our our society as a whole this the economic system that we live in forces us to make really difficult decisions even ones that go against you know the rules of of a civilized society or you know the rules of family or of love or of you know whatever i think that's uh yeah, there's like a whole, it's a whole side of like, you know, the, this discussion in like horror and money and, and capitalism that uh, is very exciting. <laughs> I mean, you know, just in, in discussing like, yeah, those motives in horror. It's not just psycho killer stabbing people like this is it's a, you know, there's a deeper motive. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I was going to say, I mean, if just think about the story of the monkey's paw, right? Like mm. there's a whole, that's, that's also related to money as well. And the idea that like, you know, oh, you wanted money, but like, you know, someone hurt themselves or, you know, is subsequently, it, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it's also a commentary, a kind of this like, you know, covert, you know, commentary on capitalism and the nature yeah. of like the, the nature of, like you know money gained from workers it's like it's a form of theft and so in this kind of horror way we're stealing people's lives <laughs> um you know in a literal way <laughs> but not um and not in kind of the like the roundabout way that uh that like everyday kind of capitalism does yeah yeah absolutely uh another thing i like about this film besides like that conversation of you know the particular uh you know motivations of money but you know this is one of those movies that kind of brings like strangers together in like a one location and like you know things happen i really uh I think that's used very effectively here. I think that also, mm -hmm. uh, I think I read that um, Hitchcock saw this film and saw kind of how well it did. And that's really what led him to create psycho. This was a, a big influence on psycho, which I thought was uh, also information that I hadn't really heard before. Um, but I think it's very, again, I, it's fun to watch. Cause there is like, even though they're in this big house, there's a sense of like claustrophobia that they're all trapped there and that they're strangers. And, you know, we see that in a lot of, you know, movies, especially after I would have liked to have seen this in the fifties with like, so they had the Emergo or Emergo gimmick where like a skeleton would like fly across the audience. That would have been mm -hmm. fun. Maybe. Is that what you're going to do next time at like one of your viewing parties? <laughs> is going to have a skeleton. Yeah, just flying around the room. It'll be your skeleton if if if, if I'm successful in the party. Have yeah. a skeleton on one of the cats, and then the cats like could run up on somebody, and it's a skeleton. Oh, that'd be fun! Like the mm -hmm. spider costumes that they're putting on dogs. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm just kind of looking through here, seeing if there's other fun trivia. Maybe you could use for you know some trivia night. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, obviously, the re I don't know if I said this at the beginning, and the reason I wanted to do that this week is because um, this is one of the first, or this is, at least according to her book and in interviews, uh, this is the first horror film that Elvira saw, that Cassandra Peter saw, Peterson saw as a kid, gave her nightmares, like really freaked her out, especially the rat being thrown into the, like the acid pit and coming back up as a skeleton. Gave, you mm -hmm. know, she said that gave her nightmares. She said, you know, in subsequent interviews that uh this is one of her favorite films so i thought it'd be fun to do that's a little piece of trivia here uh probably not for horror fans but for others you know mm -hmm. if you wanted to put that out there that'd be a good jeopardy question you know this film is uh, cited as you know blah blah this film's you know vincent price and blah blah, blah. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, also something I thought was interesting is the film is in the public domain. I'm not sure what happened, uh, but there was like the original copyright holder failed to renew the copyright. So it's in the public domain. So anybody can like take this film and kind of do what they want with it. Nice. So there's some really bad, I have seen uh, some really bad uh, copies of it floating around. Um, Lots of people's last film, but you can look that up. <laughs> yeah could anyways. it be could it be rebooted again yeah i think this kind of this this sort of style film can always happen you know you can always find a reason to pull strangers together for money and you know i mean isn't that the bachelor i mean it's <laughs> on there like the horrors of of this are, are always alive and well on television it's, so what you're saying is that this movie is basically The Bachelor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I love I. I'm thinking about I'm like I would love to see like a shot for shot remake of it in black and white, but it's all like uh, it's all like queer characters and queer actors and drag characters. Yeah, I like, think that'd be that'd super fun. Yeah, I'm here for that. I love when. Uh, SNL would do like their Vincent Price Halloween thing and it'd be yes. like um oh gosh what's his name I always forget Hater Bill Hater Hater mm-hmm. Bill Hater is Vincent Price and with his like you know mincing accent and then uh Kristen Wiig as Norman Desmond um I think my favorite ah. one is uh, um John Hamm as George Mason oh like, yeah I'm drunk Price <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that'd be great if like all of them wanted to get together and do like a take on this uh but i like i also like the idea of like drag queens and yeah queer actors doing doing yeah shot for shot that could be really fun because I'm, i think uh, yeah. vincent price's daughter is gay and then vincent price is also have so is also is said to have explored um with men a little bit, right? Possibly. I say right, I say right, knowing that like I fully read that in an article before I got on here, but I just didn't know that was something you knew as well about. I mean, I think I've heard, I've definitely like read that before, but I, I don't know. You know, I wasn't there. I might be old, but I'm not that old, Joe. <laughs> I never saw Vinny Price, you know, doing anything. I th- I th- you never saw him just you know <laughs> yeah I, ne- I never i never witnessed that corpse and shell <laughs> yes i probably would have i mean if he would have tried it but i'm like oh hey sure <laughs> actually i think that's one of the things i shared on uh on the twitter party yesterday was um there was a a, a gif or whatever of him like choking um uh, Watson, like that, you know, the owner of the house, like they're choking. So, like, I, I reshared that. I was like, Vinny Price can choke me out anytime, you know, as a treat. <laughs> wow, you put that out there. It um, got shared. That one, like, really struck a nerve. There was quite a few people that was like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, you know, there's some great, I mean, you know, he obviously was a very attractive man in his day. So um, my, my coworker, a former coworker of mine, he had a cookbook uh, by Vincent Price. Oh, cool. Um, and it wasn't like a spooky, you know, it wasn't yeah, like no, a no, I'm sure it was very, it was just, yeah, I think he really liked to cook. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. That was something uh, um, Cassandra talked about uh, in interviews that he taught her how to make fish in the, um, and, and papillote. No, in the dishwashing machine, where you like wrap the fish up really tightly in aluminum foil, and then you it basically, I guess it's like a steamed fish. I, I imagine is how it must work. But you put it on like a really hot setting, and you like cook the fish wrapped in tin foil. It's like a thing. I I don't know, but I I do know that he liked to cook. So. Oh, Uncle Vinny. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you know, we're just kicking. I just thought it'd be fun to kind of watch this movie. It is. It's silly. It's fun. It's, you know, it has some. <laughs> Are you thinking about now? You're going to make this. No, I'm not. No, I'm thinking about, you know, like, you know, if uh, Vincent Price, like at a bathhouse. I, I just keep thinking about you know, <laughs> the clock. <laughs> I'm here until it strikes 12 o'clock. 
you know, you're going to suck my big fat and then, you know, you, you can fill in the rest, but. All right. Just... Well, we'll, uh, I think that's a great place to leave off. <laughs> um, you know, check out House on Haunted Hill. It should be available on Shudder as Joe watched it. And also now the Elvira Shudder uh, special should also be now available mm-hmm. to for reviewing. And uh, you can watch uh, the new the new commentary yeah. that Elvira does. Super fun. Uh, I also really like the version that they used on Shudder. It was really nicely cleaned up. The uh, DVD I have of it, the pic- it's not as clean uh this was very it has almost that sepia tones to it rather than like the nice like noir like black and white mm-hmm. kind of vibe uh so yeah check it out on shutter i'll tr- maybe i'll try to link it in the you know in the thing if yeah. people are still doing follow this. us on all social media you know yeah. tag us hashtag still ignorant for me um, right <laughs> still ignorant uh we're holding on to that uh yeah because i mean you know uh, Obviously, October's coming. We got the Halloween Kills is coming. I, I'm pretty sure because that's going to be debuting on Peacock. I'm I'm sure there'll be a watch party for that. So yeah, find us on on, on Twitter. Uh, I love doing those. It's really fun. It's really fun to meet people and talk to others and you learn about you know other podcasters that are out there or you know other fans of horror. It's super fun. It's also really usually they can get like you know like I said Elvira. I yeah I mean it was probably her people, but maybe in the early part of the night she was running her own Twitter. I know that she does uh, do that, but there was also other. Um, uh, other like celebrities and, you know, writers and such that were part of it. And it, you know, it's just a fun way to like, you know, engage with people and chat. So I highly recommend it, Joe, you you got, you have a tweeter. You should, uh, you should join us sometime. Mm-mm, I don't have a Twitter. Oh, I thought you did. No, you have, I oh, it's a tick tock. It's the ticky talk. You have a ticky talk. I'm, I'm, I'm a ticky talker. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should get you on there. Ticky talking things, whatever the kids say. Uh, alrighty. Well, uh, this was fun. I'm glad that you liked this movie. Cause I actually really like it too. I think it's a lot of fun. And so I'm, I'm glad that you actually enjoyed watching it. I do wish mm-hmm. that we'd watch it together. Maybe later in the season, we'll watch it again just for fun, you know, just together. And we'll make fun of it and be catty. Alrighty. Can't wait. I can't wait for that. All right. Well, then uh, have a good night. Bye. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 